This episode of Children's Ministry Monthly is sponsored in part by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as $65. View that gallery at DrawYouAPicture.com, see what I've done for others, and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. Also brought to you today by High Voltage Kids Ministry Resources at www.HighVoltage-Kids.com. I use the curriculum and I highly suggest it. Check out what Brian Dollar is doing over at HighVoltage-Kids.com. Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Hey, how you doing out there? Welcome back to another episode of Children's Ministry Monthly, episode 14, brought to you the week of June 28th, 2009. I'm your host, my name is James Kennison, and my co-host Super Dave is not here. See, uh, well, he's got some stuff going on in his life, um, nothing moral, nothing <laughs> sinful. Christians, you Christians, you. No, um, it's just ironic because this month our topic is children's ministry struggles. And it turns out he's had a huge, huge thing that he's going to have to struggle with for the next 45 to 60 days. What happened was um, he went to church Sunday morning before their morning service, came back that very evening, okay, so hours later, and after the evening Sunday service, him and his wife both and their children, and found their house completely flooded. Four inches of water on the main floor. Turns out what had happened is one of the kids had left a uh, spigot running. Uh, flooded the sink. Water just ran all day long. There are photos and an email from Dave available. You can check them out at cmmonthly.com. Check it out. It's one of our most popular posts ever. <laughs> Go figure. But uh, we definitely send our prayers and well wishes his way and uh, some towels, too. But uh, they're going to be in a hotel for the next 45 to 60 days. So Dave is not able to join me tonight. It's a good thing I did a lot of interviews and interactive stuff that you'll be enjoying. Um, interviewed some of my own kids and even my own uh, assistant pastor. Associate pastor, I'm sorry. That's how we say it these days. But again, our topic this month is Children's Ministry Struggles. And uh, our main, our, I'm just going to start by asking just a series of questions and looking at them and discussing them. Why do we struggle? Why do children's pastors struggle? Um, because I'm going to be honest, I think children's pastors struggle. I don't know if they struggle more than senior pastor. I've never been one. But man, I see a lot of discouraged kids' pastors out there. I think the number one reason why is because. It's a huge job. It's an important job. It's one of the most important jobs in the church. And the, the enemy of our souls would not want nothing more than to destroy those and discourage those who are working with them. Um, you know, a child has to have, they, well, statistics say, a child has to have a, a godly worldview by age eight and have made a decision for Christ. Otherwise, chances are they won't. And um, that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. So, uh, you know, the enemy of our souls is definitely going to target us uh, because we're doing such an important job. Another reason, I think, is where else in the church do you find a pastor who is so responsible, not just for the spiritual well-being of their congregation, but also the practical, the, the, the physical well-being? Um, not even in nursery 
you know, do we have do we have this specific issue of kids who need to be cared over the way our kids do? Now you could say nursery; they need to eat and cha- be changed and all that kind of stuff. But most of those kids, with a few exceptions, aren't gonna get up and run away. They're not gonna be easily uh, swayed by someone in the hallway talking to them and telling them, "Hey, your mom told me to pick you up today." Usually, there's a security system already in place for nursery people. It's a little tight knit group. Not so much sometimes in children's ministry. Uh, but the, the comparison really goes to uh, the adults. I mean, does the senior pastor have to worry about where adults are going when they leave? No. So I think that kind of stuff really lays heavy on us. I know it does me. Safety is probably one of the biggest things that keeps me up at night. It's making sure. Because not, you know we can't even lose one. One is too many. Um, I think parents are another big reason we struggle uh, and, and, and leadership and our own workers because we have a lot of people that we have to serve slash impress slash satisfy. You know, we got our kids. I remember when I used to think children's ministry was just ministering to children. And I think early on, that's all I thought it was. And I lost quite a few workers because I forgot about them. I figured they'd just be there. Children's ministry is more than just about children. I think we have so many people that we have to deal with because we do have not just our congregation, but our congregation has parents. Not even the big pastors have to worry about their congregation's parents, but we do. So we've got the kids. we got the parents. That's two. We have our workers in, our, in, in that whole area that we have to deal with. We share that with many of our peers, obviously. But then we have our leadership. And I would say even lastly, our family. So there's a lot of, of people and, and groups that we're having to work with and uh, satisfy, like I said. Um, it's just a wide variety. We have to wear a lot of hats and turn a lot of different directions if we want to keep things going. We have a lot of balls to juggle. Um, I'd say discipline is also a huge thing. We can't just preach. We also have to discipline. Uh, Big church doesn't have to worry about that. And and I'm not down in big church. I'm just saying the reason why I see so many children's pastors struggle is are these reasons. Uh, Big church, you know, for the most part, behavior is not a huge issue. If the pastor stinks, people are kind enough to sit there and listen and leave. Not so in children's church. If the children are bored, they will be bad. If something's not going the right way, they are more than happy to let you know. If your magic trick fails, they're more than glad to laugh about it. And so we can't just preach. We have to be disciplinarians as well. And those kind of things, I think, wear on us. And they they don't drag us down, but there's something that we need to be aware of as we go through children's ministry. I think we struggle also because we're so separated oftentimes from the big show. The big show being the main thing that's going on, the one thing that everybody else is dealing, you know, the big church. Um, You know, we are busy typically. And unless your service, unless your church is uh, blessed enough to have two services where you get to go to at least one of them or a night service, um, it's hard And even so, when you get there, oftentimes we have to leave early or, you know, we can't just unplug and be a congregation member. So um, it's it's uh, it's a big deal. So first of all, let me let me let me tackle some of these issues. Um, This is actually notes 
uh, or I'm reading from some notes that I, I did on our blog. We're, we're doing um, at cmmonthly.com. We are doing uh, daily uh, tips and advice and, and help uh, there. So check it out. This is from an article called Why Do Children's Ministries Struggle or Children's Pastors Struggle? Um, so if it's an important ministry, uh, we need to remember, if, if that's one of our reasons we struggle, we have to remember it's not our ministry. I think one of the reasons we get downtrodden by what we do is because not only do we preach the Word, but we feel like we're responsible for making sure that that Word flourishes in their hearts. Okay, And sometimes we even go crazier and think that it is our job. And I don't know that it's a pri- it is a prideful thing, but we don't realize that. But I see children's pastors constantly that have put, that have downplayed every other role in that children's life other than their own, spiritually, I mean. They think the parents are idiots. They think the other workers are just there to help herd children. They are the only ones that understand these kids, that see their spiritual potential, and they are the only ones that can minister to these kids. That's arrogant, and it's not just arrogant. It is dangerous. Our job is to be just another voice from God in their life. We are not, we're just another seed planter. We are not the main source. We're not meant to be. And I'm telling you, I my theory is the reason why we've become that so many times is because we took that role. And parents have so much to do. They feel incompetent with spiritual matters anyway. They're more than happy to give it to us. So I don't know. As for me and my house, I'm not going to be the primary spiritual source. I'm just not. It's just a conviction that I have. And, and, and what happens, though, and the reason that's dangerous is that we uh, are burning ourselves out thinking that um, after we plant that seed, it's our job to make it grow. And it's not. It's not. The Bible says the Word does not – it does that on its own. It's living and active, okay? It, 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 it has, we have a promise that just like water comes down and won't return to the sky until it's done its job, guys, uh, the Word of God will do the same. So – Cast that burden on who it belongs to, God himself. Keep doing what you're doing, but leave the results in his hands. It is not our word, okay? It's God's word. There you go. That's That was convicting for me, all right? Uh, the second thing is we had said that, um, what was it? We wear many hats and we do a lot of things. Oh, I didn't mention that earlier, but that was a great point. One of the reasons we get so burnt out, I think, and we get so burdened is we are not just pastors. We're not just speaking. We're the puppet team, <laughs> Oftentimes, we're leading worship. We don't just put a sermon together. We have to come up with games. We have to come up with songs. We have to do every single thing in our service, typically. So what's the answer to that? How do we do that? Well, delegate anything that someone else can do. Now, I got that idea from Jim Weidman, um, and, it, and it just it made so much sense. I never did anything about it until one of my leaders came up to me and says, Ah, oh, the Pastor James show was really good today. And it just he was joking, but he was serious and that passive-aggressive mess. But uh, for once, I listened to it, and he was right. It was everything. Pastor James was doing everything. And, and, I, and again, I thought I was doing them a favor because it was too much work to ask them to do anything. But that's pride. It wasn't humility. It wasn't the servant's heart. It was pride because God really got me and says, are you the only one that can handle a tough job? Ooh, see how pride got in there? So delegate. Delegate is hard. It's harder than doing it yourself. So if you really want a tough job, if you really want to abuse yourself, delegate. Uh, after a while, um, it does get easier, and your ministry gets bigger than just you. Again, it's not your ministry. It's God's. But uh, 
you you just have to you, you should do it you should do it um it, they're not going to do it the way you want them to they're not going to do it exactly how you would do it but they're going to do it and they may not do it exactly right but i'm telling you it's going to free you up to do other things a lot of people have a hard time delegating they have a hard time asking people to do stuff and if we're not careful, we run a risk of becoming identified by our struggle. And ministry becomes more about us and how we're dealing with it than it is about how um, it, it's more about the ministry. Ministry is not drama. Ministry is ministering. And it's not about me. It's not a place for me to work out my issues. It's a place for me to have my issues worked out so I can help somebody else with theirs. Um, if ministry, another issue we said we struggle with is uh, uh, security. If that's a that's a big deal, secure your ministry. Uh, we're responsible for those little lives, and um, so we've got to be responsible with them. Okay, that means you got to do background checks on your volunteers if you're not. Okay, if you can't, everybody can. There's free options out there. There's there's stuff you can do if you can't do anything if you can't afford jack squad if your church is just that way they don't even see a vision for it at least check these people online in the sex directory okay and um what's the other one? Oh, check references man i have found more stuff off references than i ever would through any kind of official channels anyway and fake it grab a form mock it up have people fill it out don't ever i mean if you can't afford it this is only if you can't fake them out and make them think that you're running a background check at least it's the equivalent of having that uh, ADT sticker you know in your front lawn tricking the bad guys into thinking you have a security system uh, it'll keep half the bad guys away so uh, again I'm not condoning faking them out because you need to do real checks but dude if you're if you're in a trailer or something and you just straight up can't afford $15 a person or whatever it is nowadays $9 uh, at least do the background check, check references, do in-person interviews, and and fake them out by with a fake sheet. But uh, get policies in place that will protect kids against predators. Bathroom policies. We did a we did a podcast on that a couple back. It may have been even the last one we did. But you need to think about uh, relationship policies and all that kind of stuff. It'll provide a lot of peace when you know you're providing a safe place for your kids to interact with Jesus. All right. Yeah, episode 13, actually, Policy and Procedure was the one. It was the one right before this one. So check that out. Go back one in your iTunes and re-listen if you listened anyway. Um, uh, if we're also disciplinarians when we're preaching, I'd mentioned that earlier, then we need to establish and train a consistent discipline policy. Those of you that have been listening for a while know that discipline is my thing. It is not a bad word. But kids do better when they know what is expected of them and understand the consequences of not living up to those expectations or the consequences of exceeding those expectations. You guys know I'm balanced on that. Um, our job is not to make a child be good for the love of God. I've really been thinking about that a lot this month. Our job is not to make a child be good. It's to help them to become more like Jesus Christ. You will never change a kid's life. Listen to this. God gave me this. Uh, sounds prideful. Sorry. You will never change a kid's life by putting them in timeout. Never by correcting them. Never by telling their parents on them. Never, ever, 
ever. So as important as I think discipline is and all that kind of stuff, just to prove that it's not about making a kid be good, those statements are true. You are never going to change a kid's life by doing any of those things. It's only through God's word. So discipline itself is not making a kid be good. It is establishing that relationship based on trust and love, that proper relationship, so that they will open their heart to you and you can pour God's love in. You need policies. You need consistency. You need that so that you can discipline and disciple these kids. You need to train your people. It's not enough just for you to know. If you need more on that, check out Proper Discipline in Children's Ministry. It's an entire series. Also, episode two uh, uh, deals with po- uh, discipline, but I do a eight-part series, and I need to do a ninth part uh, for when none of that stuff works. <laughs> but there's an eight-part uh, Proper Discipline in so- Children's Ministry mini-cast series. I think they're, they're, the shortest one is like nine minutes. The longest one's maybe 15. You could listen to them in a lunch hour probably. Um, so check those out if you, if you need to. If you have any questions, you can always holler at me, email me, um, cmmonthly at gmail.com. All right, how do we handle when we have to deal with so many different people, so many different faces, and, and, and uh, I mentioned pastors that we have to impress and parents and all that. You can't. You can't you can't please all the people at all the times and I and I had mentioned earlier how you have to wear different hats and face different directions I don't believe that either I was just saying that's what it seems like we should do what we should really do is just be us and be consistent and be godly seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you if you are the same and you are consistent and you love children genuinely and you love those parents and you convince yourself that they are the spiritual leader in their house and you do need to back them up and you are serving them and that's what God's called you to do. If you have your heart straight and your life straight and your attitude straight, you don't have to worry about who you're facing that particular moment. You don't have to be the goofy, stupid pastor for the kids and then the serious pastor for the adults. You can be you and God will use that. And if there's a rough edge, he'll shave it off. If there's a silly edge, he'll shave it off. Um, I know I used to think I had to be silly all the time. I couldn't even look a parent in the face. I just had some sort of social anxiety about it. Not so anymore. Not so. Um, we are not children's pastors. We're pastors who minister to children. Okay? So be consistent. Be a consistent minister. We don't get silly around the kids. We change and modify the method of delivery, but it's the same message, same personality. And I found that, you know what, in big church, if I ever get up there again, you know, there's times for object lessons and silly stuff and magic tricks and all kids. Actually, big kids love it, a.k.a. adults. Um, The last one, uh, we had talked about the missing out on the big show. Stay involved. Stay involved. If your church has two morning services, go for it. But if you don't, you're going to have to work very hard to stay connected. Uh, If you have to, cancel one service a month. It is that important for you to stay connected. Not just for your own spiritual well-being, but because if you're not in there and you're not hearing, I'm telling you, the one way you're going to hear more from your pastor than any meeting, any one-on-one conversation is from that pulpit. God speaks to them and they, they, they put stuff out there. You can see the way their mind is working when they're up there. They will say things from that 
that pulpit and you will never hear them and the rest of the church will be on the same page, but you won't be and you will feel like an outsider. You will go to staff meeting and oh, they'll talk about the move of God and this, that, and the other and they will forget you and you will feel like an outsider. But if you're there once a month, if you're there once in a while, better yet, if you're there every week because of a second service, you'll be right there where everyone else is. If you can't let go once a month, if you can't get away, then pray in somebody that you can trust to hand over that that service to. And don't be afraid to give it to them. Don't be afraid to give it to them. Uh, Do it with them the first couple of months, but give somebody that service once a month. I have the benefit of having a BGMC service once a month. That's Boys and Girls Missionary um, Challenge. They recently changed the name. And uh, I get a chance to go to service. Sometimes I don't get to go. I'll be honest. This Sunday, it looks like we're doing ratios in Junior Jam. And so my check-in system, I'm going to have to be there to deal with irate parents who can't check their kids in because we don't have enough workers. But uh, most of the time, I make my way into second service. And I sit there and I just soak it in. And I and I become a member of that congregation. It is great. So um, I believe that we minister out of our overflow. And if you don't have any overflow, you're not going to be able to minister. It's going to pull from you. It's just like starving yourself. And eventually, your body starts to eat its own muscle, okay? You don't want to be that person spiritually. You don't want to duplicate that in your kids' lives. You want to have something. Because that's what discipling is, is duplicating your spiritual life in someone else you need to have a spiritual life worth duplicating take care of yourself take care of yourself take care of yourself all right um you know we we also i deal i i struggle with parents a lot i'll be honest i struggle a lot with parents but um uh, before we jump into leadership, I'm going to hit, uh, we struggle with leadership, we struggle with parents, we struggle with time management, we struggle with money and resources, and I'm talking about rooms and, and, and budgets and all that kind of stuff. I want to tap on those a little bit, but first I thought it'd be fun to take a tiny, tiny moment and find out what my kids think that I struggle with and my leaders struggle with in children's ministry. Hey, I want to ask you guys some questions, okay? Yeah. Um, what do you think is the hardest thing about being a children's a person that works with children they don't they don't like pay attention to stuff if they don't they don't get rewarded like, like the grown-ups the grown-ups don't get rewarded all the time I'm talking about the kids if they don't like I ain't talking about kids I'm talking about people that work with children what do you think the hardest part is about working with with children the hardest part of working with children is that some of them is hard-headed like that some of the kids? Yeah, some of the kids. And then it's hard for the adults to work with the kids if they're not, like, paying attention and stuff. Are you one of those children that are hard-headed? No. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you what about your twin? Yes, yeah. she is one. She's one of them. Would, what would she say about you? I am not hard-headed. <laughs> what about you, bud? What do you think the hardest thing is um, in children's ministry for children's pastors? The hardest thing... For them to be quiet. You know for, what? For us or for the kids to be quiet? Everybody. So you want workers to shut up? Yes. <laughs> All right. Hi. Um, I just want to know, what do you think is would be the hardest thing about working with kids if you were if you were me? Um, making them sit down and be quiet yeah. and listen. Um, do you think that's all that children's pastors struggle with? Um, no. What other things do you think they might have to deal with working with, with in the children's church? Putting, um, putting them in timeout, and um, 
<laughs> and that's it. That's it? Um, me too, me too. Do you think we ever have to deal with parents that maybe are hard to work with? Um, maybe. 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 Do you think we ever have to deal with zombies? No. Okay, good. They're not true. They're not true. What do you think we struggle with? Um, kids. Twins? No, not twins. All right, I'm here with a bunch of old kids. Uh, <laughs> fifth graders, a.k.a. people that ought to be uh, pretty soon in sixth grade. And uh, I'm just asking them the question, what do you think is the hardest thing about being a children's pastor or a children's worker? Keeping the children in their seats. What about you? What do you think? Keeping them to listen. Keeping them to listen. Do you always listen? Maybe. No. <laughs> You're not supposed to lie in church. I'm not lying. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what about you? What do you think would be the hardest thing about working with kids? Uh, keeping them seated. Really? Okay. Keeping them in their seats. So kids are just running around crazy all the time? Yeah. Well, y'all are, that's for sure. What? I know, I know. People bringing food into church. They, amen. Yeah, that's, that is terrible. I will relate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, what do you think? Um, probably keeping them from not talking in church. I'm not talking. What about you? Keep them, keeping them in class. I'm, I'm being punched by some first graders, so i got to go. I don't have a wife. You don't have a wife? No. Who are you married to then? Nobody. Just my girlfriend. Just how many girlfriends you got? Help him, Lord. All right, I'm um, I'm here with a, another young lady. Uh, what grade are you in? Fourth. Fourth grade. And I'm asking kids a question. The question is, what do you think is the hardest thing about working with children if you're a grown-up like me or, or Mr. Scott? What do you think would be the hardest thing about working in children's church? Learning about God. Learning about God. So teaching kids about God is the hardest thing? Why do you think that's so hard? Because... Uh, kids don't be listening? Yes. Yeah. Um, are you always listening? Yes. Always perfect? Yes. Always lying in church? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing me a song? No. Okay, thank you for, so much for your help. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, so the general consensus seems to be that um, discipline and teaching children is the biggest struggle. Now, naturally, we're talking about struggles that people deal with uh, in and around actual ministry to children, the things that try to hamper us and keep us from ministering. But isn't it a little bit insightful that after we break through all of those, either by ignoring them, just trying to get through them or praying through them, um, then we do have the struggles of trying to get kids to sit down, sit up straight and listen and pay attention. And then wonder, once we get that done, are we actually teaching them anything? Such an obvious thing that, that even here, uh, it's obvious that uh, kids know that they're, they're, they're a big handful. Peace. All right. Thank you, Pastor James, for that awesome interview with those kids. Uh, those are my kids, and I'm proud of them. It's, uh, we, we're uh, inner city Kansas City. We have a very diverse group, uh, people from the suburbs, people from the urban core, people from rural areas in and around Kansas City. So I hope you enjoyed all that diversity and all that random crazy noise. Um, I know I, I mentioned earlier, I've, I've had my struggles with parents, and I, I, there's different reasons for that in my church. One of them is because people um, are different cultures, and I'm going to just be deadly honest. Not everybody in my church um, is, I think they're saved, well, many of them are, uh, but not all of them are completely healed from past wounds, and I know for a fact 
that some people see, I'm just going to say it, a white man in, uh, in a nice suit and they have a decision in their head. And now I'm not hating on that. What I'm saying is uh, I know that there have been white men that have abused their positions for generations and hundreds of years. And I didn't used to understand that. Because it was like, I haven't done anything to you. I do understand culture, though, because it's one thing most white folks don't understand is the concept of culture. And when you have a culture, when you have a heritage, when it's not just you and your family tree, when there is a people, you you care about the things that pe- your people have had to deal with. Um, and even more consistently, when you uh, live in a certain part of town and you have a certain level of life that you have to deal with, and um, you can argue about why people are in the situations they are, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, if you've been looked down upon or yelled at or something like that uh, by someone that looks a certain way or dresses a certain way, you are going to have a certain attitude toward that person. Let me flip the script on us. And one of the things I know I even struggle with is when I see someone dressed like a thug. Now, I'm talking about whether it's Asian, white, black or otherwise. When I see somebody with their pants dropped and a big old jacket and a hat cooked sideways and all of it nicely pressed and perfectly clean, I I am nervous, okay? And I work in the hood. And I'm sorry, I can't tell the difference between somebody who wants to shoot me and steal from me and somebody that just wants to drop their kids off, okay? I don't know the difference between somebody who really is a gangster and someone who is just representing and fronting. Okay, it's just like if I saw somebody walk in my church and they were dressed like a policeman, how would I know to tell them apart from somebody that really was? If somebody came walking in the church dressed up like a doctor or a fireman, I would assume that they were trying to tell me that they were a doctor or a fireman. Okay, so flip that back around. And now you're the minority looking at the majority. Okay, somebody that looks like me uh, ticked you off or said something or judged you or made some sort of racist remark. Okay, I deal with a lot of parents that do not trust me, not as a pastor, but as a person. And it is one of my jobs as that pastor is to help that healing process by being unconditionally kind and unconditionally accepting and being very patient in my policies and in my procedures. Because I do, because of where we are, I have to have rules and regs that I stick to and adhere to. And security is not just a nice idea. It is mandatory between broken marriages and foster kids and and every other week switches and parents that just got out of this and they're into that and they're not allowed to pick up their kids. I have to watch out for that and I have to keep tabs on that. And those two worlds are always conflicting. We've got people who don't like rules and don't want me to be the one enforcing them. And we've got all these rules that have to be enforced. And it's a fun and unique position. And not a week goes by that I don't have to face something to do with that. Okay, that's my struggle. That's what I deal with. But what I realize, and I I can only share my world, um, is that it's not personal. And I have found that praying through helps so, so much. Now, I'm not going to be lying to you and say um, that it's uh, all just a minority thing, okay? Because I got rich white people, and I got rich black folks for that matter, that think they're sometimes too good to deal with with my stuff and they've been going there for 27 years and why should they have to have a photo taken in a security system i can't believe you won't let me pick up my granddaughter everybody knows who i am well you know what no they don't and even if they did i 
Pastor James follow the security procedure. I don't pick up my kid without a checkout sheet. So by God, you are definitely going to have to do the same thing. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I am consistent. I pray through. I ask for God to give me uh, understanding. And yes, I get ticked off. And yes, I get short-tempered sometimes. And yes, it drives me nuts when we, even the basic rules can't even be followed. When even the basics people struggle against. But I think through consistency, I think through standing your ground, I think through prayer, um, you can find that parents can be a powerful ally. What happens is Satan wants to get in there and make them your enemy. He, and not physically, but in your mind. You can't do that. You can't do that. They could be your greatest resource. I need to do a whole podcast on parents. Um, leadership. I know sometimes we struggle with leadership. And one of the reasons, one of the things, thank God I don't deal with this, um, but a lot of children's pastors struggle with their pastors because they truly believe that they don't have their pastor's support. And you know what? In some cases, it is. it, it seems like that. It seems like that so much that the pastor only wants the kids out of the main service. And I'm not saying there aren't pastors like that. But most of the time, what I see is pastors who just don't have a heart for children's ministry. Okay, now, if you listen to some people, you're going to believe this. You're going to believe that you are doing part of his job. And that's true. You really are. In the spiritual sense, you are doing you are pastoring part of his flock, and you are. But what sometimes when we think about that too much, we think, okay, pastor should have a vision for my ministry, and then I need to pester him for it. What if you have a pastor that isn't that way? He doesn't have a – he trusts you. Can you handle that? Can you ask – that's why you have to be connected with the big church because if you've got a guy – that doesn't lay out exactly what the big leadership people say you need as a children's pastor, he doesn't have a gold-plated vision for children, then you have to take what he does have and you have to follow and fall in line with that. You have to set your orbit around what you know he has set up for his church. It needs to be a carbon copy, a children's church version of that big church uh, vision and statements and things like that. Uh, but what you can't do is let the devil sit there and lay on you and tell you that he doesn't support you, that you are uh, being abused and you are being looked down upon and he doesn't care. And because what happens is that very quickly turns into pride. And now I know better than him and I can tell him and I'm going to have a meeting with him and tell him how to run his church. And I'm going to tell him all about this, that, and the other. Guys, I'm going to tell you that is dangerous territory. It's not that your pastor isn't beyond reproach, but I'm just telling you right now, you definitely want to just operate under the assumption that he is doing what God wants done for that church. If you don't agree with that, and if you can't fall in line, you honestly need to talk to God about moving on to a pastor that you can't support. But it's just really, really funky going in there. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I've done it. I went and I had the meeting with the pastor and I sat down and I'm going to tell you one day, maybe I'll share the story. It was the beginning of three years of absolute Hades on earth for me, both ministry personally and otherwise. The day I thought I had it, what it took to sit down and tell my pastor how to run his church. It's not worth it. I'm just telling you, God will not bless it. It is based in pride. Even if you think you're being the humblest person in the world, God gave the rights to operate that church to him. 
Okay, and that's a big deal. And that's exactly the way I feel, by the way, about the rights God gave parents to mentor their children. You just do not want to get in between that. You don't want to get in between a pregnant woman and a salad bar, and you do not want to get between God and parents and their children. You just want to be another voice, another seed planner. Uh, but leadership is a big deal. What you need to do is you need to pray for your pastor. You need to support him. You need to ask God. Here's the thing. If you struggle with your pastor as a leader, maybe he's not the greatest leader. Some pastors are, some aren't. But if you've got one of these guys, you need to think of them as a person first and then a pastor second. Okay. As a leader, sometimes we're very, very short tempered with them and we want, we want certain things. But as a person, you'll find you have a lot of grace because you'll end up putting yourself in their shoes and you'll say, Oh, good Lord, I can't imagine having to do that job. And you will have a whole new passion for praying for that person. Okay. Uh, leadership, you need to pray for your pastors. You need to be patient with your pastors and you need to support them in your speech. Don't let anybody hear you talking negative about them because somebody is going to be more than happy to let him know. I guarantee you, if you were going to leave, if you were going to talk bad about him, whatever you're doing, he knows about it. He will find out. He will know if you are subverting him. I guarantee you. And you need to operate under his blessing and you need to, or her. Okay. And, uh, and don't fight it. Don't fight it. Now, sometimes we fight with deacons and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, that's where I think praying for your pastor and supporting him will help. You need to let him know about anything that's going on. You need to come to him uh, with humility. Let him know things are an issue. Help him by suggesting possible solutions, but do not question uh, whether he knows what he's doing or not. He may know, and I guarantee you he knows more than you, and he there, there may be something that seems like it should be taken care of yesterday, but he's got his reasons. He's got his reasons. One thing my pastor told me one time, because he knew I was frustrated with some other staff members, and uh, all I could see was their problems, not my own, naturally. And he said, look, every single one of you are given a measure of grace. Every single one of you. And that instantly put everything into perspective. I realized instantly that the issues that I saw so obvious in their life that, that I would have fired them over, there had to have been something like that in mind um, that he was being gracious to me on. Thank God for grace, okay? Uh, dis discipline, we've talked about it in other podcasts, so I won't go through it here, but we struggle in the area of discipline. Um, check out the mini casts and uh, go to episode two of the podcast. If you have any questions or anything, or if you need a one-on-one -on -one conversation, guys, I'm nobody, but um, I've pretty much got this one sewn up. If you have issues and you need help, I'm available. Um, just just do some hunting, okay? Or email me at cmmonthly at gmail.com. Time management is another one, and I am not qualified to talk about it. I am trying to get it worked out to where I use my time properly. Um to me, it's less of a spiritual issue and more of a practical issue. It's about discipline, which I guess ultimately is spiritual. But um, the the urgent always seems to outweigh the important. What that means is you know you need to mow your lawn on the weekend. But then your son falls down and he breaks his leg. The urgent outweighs the important. So you have to take him to the emergency room and get his leg bandaged up. And you don't have time for the lawn. Well, 
if, uh, in ministry, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, make sure you're not putting off your sermon prep for stinking Saturday night. Okay, Get that junk done by latest on Wednesday. Start looking at it Monday. Pray through it. And then you can have Thursday, Friday, Saturday to sit there and think about it, tweak it, perfect things. And um, at minimum, that's the first thing you ought to do is get your sermon prioritized. Get that service prep prioritized. That will free you up to do other things. I found that with blogging. I sit down. First thing I do at the beginning of the week is go through and I make titles of all the stuff that I'm going to want to blog about that week. And and once I've got those titles, I find the next day and the next day and day say it's easy to sit down and write about them because I've done all of that prep in advance. Uh, money and resources and rooms and stuff like that. Um, I I really uh, love sitting down this week with my associate pastor, Pastor Felbagunu. Um, we talked a little bit about resources and room usage and things like that. Um, I'll just say this so many times. Well, no, you know what? Let him say it for himself. Listen, this is awesome. All right, this is James Kennison with CM Monthly, and I am sitting here with Fel Bagunu, the associate pastor of Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri. And I just wanted to ask him, uh, first of all, thanks for sitting down with me today. Uh, no problem. Appreciate that. And um, I just wanted to ask you, this month we're doing, the topic is children's ministry struggles. And we're talking about the things that children, uh, pa- children's pastors and ministers, paid and unpaid, struggle with in their ministry. And I just wanted to get a uh, senior pastor or a uh, associate pastor's input on that topic. What do you think that uh, are the biggest challenges and struggles that face children's pastors these days? Well, I think probably... This is not a struggle. It's it's somewhat of a struggle for you be, being in a large church like ours because you have to accommodate your setting for different other functions that are happening within the church. But, you know, I've been in smaller churches, and for the most part, I think um, children's ministries get put to the last totem pole mm. of where they get to host their ministry. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, everybody else gets their dibs, and then the children's guy has to work in a little cubbyhole down in the basement somewhere, <laughs> and he's got to put on this gigantuous show to minister to thousands of kids in a 20 by 20 square foot of a, of a room with, with hardly any space to do what he needs to do. And so I think one of the biggest uh, hindrances to children's ministry, I think, is is just space mm. and uh, space that is specifically designed to accommodate the needs of of, of kids, uh, space for 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 their program, and just simple things that we've battled here at, at our own church, just in terms of bathroom space. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. here here you have bathrooms that are built and designed for adults. And you've got to have kids to use those things and then, you know, to just to reconvert those so that it, it's in mind of for the children is a big problem. So I think uh, a huge issue that, that really we don't talk about is, is planning space that is designed specifically for children and children's ministry. And I think in other major venues now, especially a lot of the... Uh, large churches they're rethinking that so mm-hmm. that now there is a specific building designed for youth ministries and a specific building designed for children's ministries that makes ministry uh, a lot easier uh, what do you kids. think what do you think the benefit 
of, of doing such a thing, focusing on children's ministry, is for the church as a whole? Well, you know, I think if, if especially if you're reaching uh, a younger, uh, sort of a, a younger crowd, mm-hmm. you know, the 20-somethings are going to always have kids. And if, if, if they don't, they're planning to have kids. And so nursery and children's ministry become vitally important when, when younger families are always going to have children, you know, um, so for, for ministry's sake, you're looking at a probably a, at least a 10-year window mm. from, from, from that vantage point. You know, if you're looking at what's fifth graders are 11 years old mm-hmm. and are, are 12 years old. So, you know, 12-year window where you start out from the nursery or work yourself all the way through, through uh, children's ministry, you've got 12 years that you have the life of, of a kid. And, and so you're looking at that, and when you start thinking about that in those terms, uh, you understand that's, that's, that's a huge chunk of ministry that, that from, for the most part, uh, I don't think churches think through. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you think about, hey, there's tw- that's a 12-year window that you have a captive audience. And, and at different points, people come in at that. I mean, you know, we, we're right. looking at... You know, someone who's coming to church and they they get, you know, they have a kid and get born. So they're 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 in children's they're in nursery and then work all the way through. But uh, a children's ministry, and there's other people come in at different entry points. So I think that's that's a huge area. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's probably one thing that you know, if you talk to a children's minister, they understand that's a problem. You know, it's probably. You know, the easy question, the easy answer would be workers, mm-hmm. you know, to say, hey, yeah, we need more workers. We need more people to, to help out in ministry. But, you know, um, you can't, if you have, a you know, five or six hundred workers and you don't have enough room, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how many workers you have if you don't have the room to minister to the kids. A lot of our audience um, tends to be the folks exactly what you're describing, the folks in the basement church or, or the, the or in the back room, maybe understaffed and underprivileged, but with a fiery passion for what they do and a desire to serve their pastor and their minister. What advice would you give the people that are in these situations that may ne- that it's just reality? There, There is not going to be a building program. There's never going to be enough room for what they need, what advice would you give to them that are just going to have to run the race and win and stand? I heard somebody say something. Every time our people come in, we want them to have a wow experience. And I, that, that's what I would say to that person. Have your kids come in and say, wow. Mm. And you know what? For kids, that doesn't take much. <laughs> No, seriously, I mean, yeah. when you think about it, I mean, for adults, that there's 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 a huge deal for them to to have a wow. But for a kid, it doesn't take much to wow a kid. You don't have to have fancy lights. You don't have right. to have uh, a fancy PA. You don't have to have uh, you know a fancy auditorium. It's true. You know, you you just have to have 
the things that when the kid comes in, they say, man, this is great. This is this is a wow experience for me, and I'm going to tell my mom and dad, you better bring me back <laughs> here next Sunday. So basically just doing the best, the very best you can with what you have. I think so. I think that's, I mean, it, it's too easy to get wrapped up and get critical and, and get frustrated and just get, you know, mad and upset that you're not getting what you need, and you concentrate, put all your efforts into that mm-hmm. when, you know what, it's that's not really an issue for your kid. It's true. That's not an issue for that young person coming into your service. Wow. It's good. You know, the issue is, hey, am I am I am I is this going to be good for me? Mm-hmm. Am I going to walk out of here talking about what I just experienced the last hour and a half? Am I going to go back to my parents and say, "You better bring me back next Sunday. I'm not going to miss what Pastor James is <laughs> is going to do next week cuz he already primed me. You know, this is what's going to happen next week and I don't want to miss it. I think that's that's what that's what every children's volunteer, every children's pastor, every every worker that makes it their passion to, to minister to kids, I, you know, just make that a wow experience for the kids, and so that they want to come back next Sunday. Mm. Well, thank you very much for your time, Pastor. Uh, again, this is Fel Bagunu from uh, Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Senior Associate Pastor, and uh, thank you for your time. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much, James. Again, Fel, thank you so much. Um, isn't it nice to hear a, a pastor who gets it that's not a children's pastor? It was. Did you get that one part? Man, that blessed me so much. Um, and it was such a unique way to look at it. And that's why I like talking to people outside our circle. He says, you know, it's it, it's so easy to get bitter about the finances and the budget and, and the things that we don't have, okay? Um, but does the kid care? How does that affect the kid? How, you know, it, does that, it, that's not something he's going to go home and talk to his parents about. He's not going to be frustrated about any of that. It's about what did you bring to the table? And that is a whole unique way for me. It ministered to me so much about doing the best you can with what you have. Um, I've, I've dealt with this on another podcast, but I'm going to assume this is the first time you've heard it. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to get more money and more budget. I've worked at churches where the copy machine had more of a budget than the entire children's ministry. I've worked with, with people that have to uh, earn every dime, you know, and raise every dime they use. I've, I've, I've worked with people that have been fully funded and makes me want to want to strangle them, to be honest, because uh, the, the, they've got everything provided for them. Here's, here's some things that God has shown me. First of all, this is what God's called you to do. Whatever your situation is, it's what he called you to. Don't complain about it. There's another thing. We think we're owed these things, and we think we're, we're going to pray them in, and we think we, we somehow think um, that we're entitled to more resources and more money and more budget because God truly, surely would be behind all that. Well, here's the thing. I asked God about that. I was frustrated with that one time, and um, he didn't even answer me. You know how he is. Uh, he said this. This is what I called you to do. Can you handle it? Oh, Oh, yes. Um, no, I don't know. But I do know that now there's a purpose. Okay. There's a purpose. God called me to this job and there must be something in there, um, to where he knew I could handle it. He didn't call me to the cushy job. He didn't call me to the fully funded job. And likewise, he didn't call me to the one where I have to raise all my, all my own money because he knew I couldn't handle that either. He put me right in the place he wanted me to be in. And he did the same for you. He's called you to that ministry. Can you do it. Secondly, he said this, if you never get another resource, if you never get another raise, if you never get any more money, another volunteer, if you never do any of those things, can you still do what I've called you to do? Can you make the best of what 
I've given you. See, there's a thing there uh, the Bible talks about, about being faithful over little, so he will make us master over much. See, we think about that to, to do with everything else but things like resources and leadership and uh, money and workers. Can you be faithful with the two workers you have instead of complaining? And I know, I know I'm not saying we complain. We, we complain because we care, because we see potential. But see, that's the that's the fear. Do not, you know, everybody's all about vision casting and all this kind of stuff and thinking about the future. And there's a danger in that. If you forget to live in the now, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. I have a vision. Now I have a mission statement. I believe in all that kind of stuff, but not at the expense of ignoring the here and the now and the situation that I live in. I believe in having a vision. I believe in dreaming big. I believe, I believe, I believe, but I also believe there's a danger in not taking the a mesh of reality and fitting it over that, 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 that dream. Okay. I really believe that you cannot go to these conferences and then go back home and do everything they do. I don't even like going to conferences. I get so frustrated, dadgummit. I want to do everything they do and I ain't got the money. I ain't got all that. I can come home though and I can allow it to influence me. It's like a, a fashion show. You see people running the catwalks and you look at all these clothes and you're like, oh, bleh, bleh. nobody would ever wear that. I would never wear that. Um, but those fashions on those runways influence the styles that we will be wearing in the months to come. It's not the same thing. It's like uh, concept cars. We're not going to be driving those concept cars. We will be driving cars based on them, influenced by them. And guys, go to these places and, and get inspired, but do not get frustrated. Okay, you have been called to your situation. It's not your pastor's fault, and it's not uh, the devil's fault. It's not even God's fault. It's just the situation you're in. God's called you to it, and He wants you to operate and do the very best of what you can do. Another thing God told me is, you will ruin your legacy by complaining. Ruin your legacy. I got this flash as I was walking the car um, of me as a 50 or 60 year old man making that same walk to the car after service and somebody saying, you know what? He's been the last to leave for all these years. And I was bitter at the time. And I realized I filled in all the blanks. And I said, you know what? If I am bitter, nobody will say that. No one will care. No one will brag on me. I will ruin my legacy. I will ruin my example by being bitter and upset about having to do it. So there you go. That's all the wisdom I got. And it's not my wisdom. It's God's wisdom. So have at it. Enjoy it. Use it. I want to share um, uh, some things. Uh, if you want to, I never talk about Twitter, but Twitter's like the big thing. I've been on it forever because I'm so dang cool. But um, Twitter.com is a microblogging service, and I ask people on Twitter who follow me, and you can follow me at NLCast, okay? Twitter.com slash N-L-C-A-S-T. I, I asked uh, some of my followers, um, you know, what, what are some things you struggle with? And via Twitter, uh, Matt Guevara, I want to say, uh, he said the biggest kids ministry struggle is recruiting a team for Saturday night and being able to make it to adult service with my wife. Yep, that's 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 hardcore. It's hardcore. It's hard getting a, a group together. It's hard delegating. It's hard teaching people. Um, but it's the only way, and it's worth it. It's worth it when you get to sit next to that wife and hold her hand during service, isn't it, Matt? Uh, and then from Prince for JK at Twitter uh, from Twitter. He says, struggle, uh, he says, I struggle not taking on too many roles outside of kids ministry. Balance of being on staff and being a volunteer is serving as part of the body. Yeah, that's hardcore. It's 
hardcore. He's um, he's on staff, and then he wants to volunteer and serve as part of the body. Um, I don't know what size church he goes to. In my world, that is not so much something I struggle with because I'm not expected to move out beyond my circle very much. I'm expected to support other pastors, but I don't have to go to the funerals, and I don't have to do a whole bunch of other things um, because I'm the children's pastor. Uh, and, and so those of you that do struggle, I'd love to get some insight for that. You guys can email me at cmmonthly at gmail.com. You can call us at 206-600-5704, and I'd love to hear your feedback and input on any of this stuff. We Christians are really, really bad for some reason about interactivity, and we're afraid to bless each other for some reason, uh, especially online. Um, and I work, I, I do my hobby podcasting in the secular world. People are more than happy to leave a comment and a suggestion and some tidbits and things. So don't fall victim to that. If God has blessed you through this, uh, mention it, say something, help me, help me out. I will do it no matter what. I'm not doing it for my own, uh, stuff. I would just want to hear that it's been a blessing. And then I want to get more than that. I want to hear your input. What have I got wrong? What can, what, what has worked for you? Um, because that's all I can speak to is from what God has shared with me. Um, but those of you that struggle on taking on too many roles outside of kids ministry, um, I would just say this, and, th- and this is just, you know, pretend it's me and five other guys and we're all sharing. And so it's not like this is the end all bit of advice. This is just one of five suggestions that somebody might give you. But I would just say, remember what God's called you to and that any amount of time you spend doing something somebody else should be doing is time you're not able to spend on your own ministry. Okay, um, I understand if other things outside are are calling you and you have to do it. Maybe it's family, you know, and that there therefore doesn't count because that you know there's in your family nobody else can do it but you. Uh, but other than that, I, I just really pray through on that and make sure um, you know is this energy that I could be investing in the lives of my families and my kids. Uh, so there you go. Um, I'd mentioned it earlier, but pray for Dave. His house flooded. Check out the pictures on his website, on the website, cmonthly.com. Leave a comment. Let him know you're praying for him. That'd be awesome. And we do have a new website, so it's easier to, to peruse. We have the categories all up at the top, training, resources, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. You can search it if you're looking for those mini casts that I mentioned a few times. And then also we're doing daily blogging, so check it out Monday through Friday. Uh, we did a whole week on children's ministry struggles. Let me pull up the website and give you some things, uh, tease you with some things. I, I did the uh, Why Do Children's Ministry Ministers Struggle. Uh, I talked about struggling with parents. Um, I, then there's Super Dave's uh, home <laughs> that is waterlogged. Uh, struggles with children's ministry discipline. And then um, I even have some stuff on there from previous weeks since since it's been a couple of weeks and we haven't done a podcast, practical ways to redirect a child's superpowers, uh, postcards, uplifting volunteers in you, helping kids use their powers for good, thoughts on being creative, um, a video from my live character that I do called Jojo the Christian Clown, uh, homegrown object lessons and creating your own object lessons. Those are every single one of the articles that I've written in the last couple of weeks. So check those out. Subscribe. If you don't know about RSS feeds, it stands for really simple syndication. You can click on it and load it in a feed browser and the stuff will be automatically delivered to you almost like a guy throwing a newspaper in your front yard except in your email. So check that out, cmmonthly.com. That wraps us up for this week. 
Thank you so much. Again, the website, seeamonthly.com. Our email, seeamonthly at gmail.com. Our voicemail, 206-600-5704. Call us now. You got a cell phone. Pull that sucker out. Join us at cmconnect.org. Tell somebody about us. Leave us an iTunes review. We'll see you next month, hopefully with Dave back right here behind the microphone. See you monthly. Peace out. Peace out.